Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Mindful Moments. I'm your host, Lauren Ashley, here to talk about any and everything that is wellness. This week's episode is a little bit different. I have a guest here, and I'm going to let her introduce herself before we get into this week's topic. Hi, everyone. My name is Sadea Bryant, or better known as Daya Bryant, and I am the owner of Holistic. Um, which also is an adult website. Yay. <laughs> and you can find us at Holistic Shop, H-O-E-L-I-S-T-I-C-S-H-O-P.com. So holisticshop.com. That's my baby. That's my world. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into this week's topic, I open up my uh, episode with naming one thing that I am grateful for. This is a great practice that I do um, just to encourage people to be um, showing gratitude because it's so great for our health to show gratitude for the little big things, whatever. So I'll start off um, this week. I am grateful for my one of my dearest friends, uh, Marquita. I'm grateful for her. She has been a great support for me during this pandemic. Um, I don't, I'm not from Columbus, so my family is back in Dayton. And so she's been a great support and someone I can connect with because I try to stay to myself because I'm not trying to get sick and I'm trying to not get other people sick. So I'm grateful for one of my closest and dearest friends and she's my walking buddy. Um, and she's like in my inner circle that I can be around, uh, during this time. So that's what I'm grateful for. Um, What's one thing that you are grateful for this week? One thing that I am grateful for this week is the sun. Um, it has been kind of dreary here in Ohio. And with the sun coming out and it's feeling a little bit warmer outside, I'm able to ride my bike. So I'm able to get some exercise, able to be outside. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for the sun this week because it's doing wonders for my personal self-care doing wonders for my family <laughs> even mm-hmm. though someone got injured the other day um it's it's just nice and it's nice to see as I'm driving it around I'm seeing other people like look kind of joyous and happy and kind of partaking in the sun too so nature is wonderful <laughs> gotta love the sun I'm, I'm ready for the sun to be out a little bit more um it does so great for your mental health so yes love the sun love it, it is we need it. You know, uh, yes. it's been a it's been a year. So we need to kind of I guess feel a little bit better. I was just reminiscing with my husband about how this time last year we were afraid to go outside. Mm-hmm. So to be a year removed from everything and to see people kind of just like, you know, I'm going outside and I'm seeing more people walk around and bike. It's it's wonderful to see. Absolutely, yeah. All right, cool. So This week, I want to dabble into something a little bit new. Um, I remember when I was relaunching my brand, someone brought up a topic of just sexual wellness or just things in that area that's not really talked about a lot when you think about wellness. And I was like, how can I incorporate this into my brand? And I came across Holistic Shop some way on Twitter. I don't know how, but I saw it and I was like, let me screenshot this for right now to see if this is something that I can come back to. And then here comes the podcast. And I was like, oh, this is how I can incorporate it and start that dialogue. So 
you already talked about the name of your business. So tell people like how you got started with um, Holistic Shop. So Holistic has been something that honestly has had many names and has been in the work for many years. So I originally, fun fact, I too am from Dayton, born and raised. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not from Columbus either. I'm from Dayton. My husband's from here, but born and raised, went to Northmont. Um, And this was something that, honestly, I grew up with a mother who um, is a social worker who literally my entire life, it was never the birds and the bees. It was always penis and vagina. We always had real conversations surrounding sex and sexuality. So when I was at school at Wright State, I had a a late night radio show. We would talk about sex and relationships and play music and have different subjects and topics and just do fun things. And so after my radio station, I had a hater (laughs) who got my show taken off. And after that, I was kind of like, well, what can I do? So I started doing like little U streams. We would talk about sex. We would talk about sex products. We would have parties. And I kind of just went by the wayside once um, I had my baby, my oldest child. I had her. And I started thinking about, well, what is it that I really, really want to do? Like, what could I see myself doing for the rest of my life? Because I was an international business major, and I remember sitting in class one time and being like, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. I really don't. And so I told my parents, I'm like, hey, I got this baby and everything like that, but I'm about to drop out of school. And they were like, uh, no. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) it's happening. And so I just started doing this, like, self-taught thing where I would go and do, like, classes at Planned Parenthood. I lived out west for a little bit, so there was a store out there, um, beautiful store owned by a woman owned and um very pleasure driven and also very um minority driven as well and everybody in there was a sex educator so then I started to find out like you can actually be a sex educator that's something that you can do mm-hmm. and it just opened up my world to the possibilities of what I could be and so I had this business and I would do like little talks I would go back home today in and have a group of people and have a conversation or I would see somebody online and have a conversation with them and it's just years and years of all this research and then going to adult stores where I end up focusing on that portion of it um I remember going to adult stores and have you ever been to any of them in Dayton you know they all suck Mm -hmm. except for there's one that's pretty nice um that's on Dixie but nobody ever wants to go over there so (laughs) I wanted to create an experience to where I felt, I felt welcomed. I felt like the person who was selling me the product was knowledgeable about the product, um, was also knowledgeable enough to ask, you know, hey, why are you buying this product? Not to get in your business, but to make sure that they're reaching the maximum amount of pleasure that I want to be able to receive or to reach. So after I kind of made all that up, the pandemic was the right time to kind of push me towards it. I don't know if I would have done this if there wasn't a pandemic that happened last year, but we were sitting at home and I was just like, I want to do something because I could get fired from my job any day and I need to be able to make money. And from that, um, (laughs) we were talking about names and my husband was like, well, what about holistic? And I was like, that right there, sir, thank you. (laughs) And we just built around it because I kept saying, you know, hoe is life. Treat the whole hoe. I kept saying stuff like that. And he was like, what about holistic? Play on words. So that's where she was born. 
So it sounds like you were pretty confident. So there weren't really like challenges or like fear of judgment when you developed this brand. Not in the current iteration, no. For the past, like I started this journey, I would say back in 2010. And at that time, yes, there was a lot of concern. I, I hid it from my parents for a while. Well, they knew that I had the radio show. And my my dad, who passed in 2013, he used to listen all the time. He would just say, I just know when to cut it off. Or my mom used to say the same thing, too. Um, but I didn't really let my family know. My friends were cool, but that's because we were around the same age, kind of doing the same thing. But at first, I did feel like, okay, I'm going to be judged or I'm going to be put in a box. And I have been in certain circles and in certain instances, but for me, I pushed against that. You know, this is not, to me, it was, this is something that everybody does, but nobody wants to talk about. And why don't we want to talk about it? Is it because the knowledge isn't there? Is it because of embarrassment? But what, whatever it is, it needs to be discussed. So I just kind of pushed past it. Even now, I'll post things and I'll have a lot of people, mostly men, who will say some pretty like cruel things or, you know, accuse me of trying to break up the uh, the nuclear family. <laughs> and I just say, you know, hey, educate yourself. I'm not here to really debate your beliefs, but if you really want to know the truth about things and, you know, statistics and what research shows, then you can go and educate yourself. But I'm going to continue to do this because I feel it's necessary. So how did you get to that point of like, you know what? I know this is important to share, so I don't even care. I'm going to do it because I have to. Like, how did you get over that hump? I think that A, having a mom who was always very open with me when it came to sex, um, I think that she kind of instilled that in me from a very early age. Like, it's more than just what you see on TV and you hear about in the news. It's more than just that. You know, there's a big psychological part of it. And I used to be a kid reading her books, too. Like, she would have these big, thick psychology books from, like, the DSM and everything like that. And I would read those. And so I think a part of it is nurture. But then the other part of it, too, um, I started to realize that being a Black woman especially a Black woman in America, we are often over-sexualized or under-sexualized, but we receive the, mo the least amount, statistically, we receive the least amount of um, sexual education. So mm -hmm. I started looking at myself in situations that I had been in, started looking and then started looking out at my friends, at my family, at my community. And I realized that, you know, while people might be hesitant to necessarily talk about things that they're going through or things that they may have gone through um the resource always needs to be there so i don't want to give up on my community and i want to be a resource for my community so no matter if you're throwing hate my way or not i know that i'm valuable and because i know that i'm valuable and i have that um that self-awareness within myself you can hate me all day long but that doesn't mean that i'm going to stop or i'm going to go away because even though those people over there may not like it. There's a whole group over here that are still in my inbox asking me questions, you know, asking me to speak and things like that. So for me, that kind of pushes me forward as well. 
And I think it's interesting because when I was looking over your website and your bio just talks about how um, it's, there wasn't a lot taught about sex and sexuality, especially when you look at black women in our community. And it's funny because I was scrolling on Twitter. I don't remember when it was, but it was over the last few weeks that I saw people getting upset about the thought of teaching sex education to kindergartners. And the first thought was like intercourse. Like people think of intercourse as sex education. It's like, there's so much about sex education that is not talked about. And it's, it's, it's sad because we get to these points of when we are trying to educate, people are so ignorant and they're so hesitant. Now they're throwing hate speech at you, or they're trying to stop you from doing what you're doing. Like, like, what are your thoughts on that? And like, how does that like, impact like your business and what you're trying to do so for me I think that it's so weird that people automatically want to jump towards oh well let, well if you teach a kindergarten or you teach a young child about sex education then you're immediately teaching them positions and kinks and stuff like that and I'm like you're such a weirdo for thinking that like the fact that you even your brain even went that far in the first place is so weird to me um, but I realize that not everybody's as, I would say, enlightened or as learned as me. So I think that it's a very positive thing to start out with at least teaching children agency over their own bodies and atomically or anatomically what their body is. Um, that's a part of sexual education, too, you know, teaching them this is your penis and this is how you care for your penis. This is your vagina. This is how you care for your vagina. Um, make sure that it's, you know, you're keeping yourself clean and, you know, you're taking care of your body. And also, too, another part of sex education is teaching them what touch is okay and what touch mm-hmm. is not okay, mm-hmm. what touch, what kind of behavior is okay and what's not okay. Because we do know um, that children can be very curious. We know that from very early ages, children do begin to explore because it's new and it's like, okay, well, um, I don't know if anybody has ever, or if you've ever seen that um, pamphlet that they used to give out from public health, where it's like two little kids and they have their, like the front of their diapers pulled down and they're both kind of like looking down. Yes. yes. I remember my mom gave me that pamphlet a long time ago and I was like, oh, wow, that's cute. Um, <laughs> so even just things like that, I think that that's really important because oftentimes, especially with children, it's unfortunate that we have situations in this world where um, children are sexually assaulted or molested, but they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily have the vocabulary for it. And so at least teaching them like, hey, if this touch is coming from this person or this touch is coming this way, then that's inappropriate and you should go tell your parents. You need to tell whatever adult in your life um, that's responsible for you about what's going on because this is hurtful this can hurt you Um, also letting them know too because when they then are they're able to actually say well you know I show my penis to so-and-so or so-and-so touched my vagina and that's very important to name kids or to name those body parts really early when it comes to children so you normalize actual speech Mm-hmm. later in life and you're yes, setting yeah. you're setting them up I think that when we when we say oh well that's just something that should just be taught to teenagers research shows that 
teenagers have already had some interaction, whether it may not have been intercourse, but some sort of sexual interaction with their genitals or something like that, by the time they reach sex education in high school. Um, I know that for me, I think I had sex ed for the first time in the eighth grade, but I had already seen a porno by then. I had already watched, you know, Skinamax. (laughs) <laughs> I had always seen these things before then. So if I and I didn't have the I didn't have the language and many of my peers didn't either. So I think it's really important to start that at a very early age so you can normalize the conversation around sex. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's truly level to this shit. So it's like people look truly. at it as like it's one thing and it's not. And I remember I saw this really sad story um going back to I mean, there's one thing of educating kids, but also edu- pa- educating parents on how to educate kids. Mm-hmm. Because I read this really sad story where this little girl was telling her mom, like, so-and-so touched my cookie. But mom didn't know that cookie meant her vagina. She vagina. thought someone else was taking an actual cookie. And it's interesting enough that a lot of parents don't know, like you need to identify a body parts to what they are, no matter what age they are at because of situations like that. And it's hard for them if children's services or the police get involved to really ask the kid, right. because when it comes to that, you can't have any type of influence because then it taints the case. So if we're going directly to right. the child and they can't say my vagina or my penis or my butt, like, what can we do? Because now they're they have these nicknames. Exactly. You think it's cute because they're young and naive, but that's just not the case. And it's it's really sad that we have to continue to have this conversation about there's so much levels of sex ed. It's not just having sex. That's sex ed, which is right. true. I mean, everything you said is absolutely correct, and I I fully agree. You kind of took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> like even with my, I have children myself. And I have two, I have two daughters and even with them, like they'll say things like my lady part or something like that. They'll say that just, just because that's their vernacular. I don't know where they got that, but <laughs> they actually say, they'll say like my lady parts. But if I say, okay, what, what are your, what are your lady parts actually called? Cause I do this all the time. Like what are your lady parts? Actually called? My vagina. Um, okay. So then we can, it's really important for them to know exactly what that is because they don't, and I've seen it where. I've met grown women who are still afraid to say the word vagina. They think that it's dirty. They think it's a bad word. They treat it with shame. Mm-hmm. And how can you use something, but you don't want to name it? If you feel shame around naming it and actually calling it what it's actually called, then I, to me personally, I feel like that translates over to what you will allow your experiences sexually and everything like that because you're not even willing to open your mind up to the knowledge that you need to have about your own body about your own anatomy Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with the word penis there's nothing wrong with the word vagina there's nothing wrong with anus there's nothing wrong with any of those i know that we've been conditioned to snicker or giggle when we hear those things but they're your body parts it's, it's the same thing as your arm or your bicep or your, your diaphragm. You have a penis or you have a vagina or you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I just think that it's really important for us as a culture to really normalize actually naming what the body part is. It's cute to have like a little, if that's, you know, your thing and that's how you want to, I'm, by no means am I knocking any parents, but I do think that in addition to having a nickname, you actually need to name what the actual body part is because it does make it hard. And like you said, with that type of situation, the mom thought she was talking about a cookie this entire time. And I wonder how long the little girl had been saying, hey, someone is touching my cookie before mm-hmm. it actually clicked in and she realized she doesn't mean a chocolate chip cookie. She means that someone's touching her. I wonder how long that actually went on before she was actually able to help her. And if she had been saying it for so long and the mom was just missing it. What I remember, it was, it was a, uh, too many times. I mean, because one is one too many, but it was too many times right. by the time mom connected the dots. And I don't remember the mo- the rest of the details, but it was enough that it was like heartbreaking because unfortunately I know there's more stories like that out there. And mm-hmm. that's why it needs to be, you know, talked about more um, and being more progressive as of course, as they get older, what sex looks like and things like that. But, you know, we have to start somewhere. But it's interesting that people think that we should be so educated on sex when we don't talk about it. It's so taboo. And it's, you know, and it's not even just taboo with it's you crazy. know underage children. It's taboo for adults, which <laughs> it doesn't make it's sense. It's taboo for our grandparents. And a lot of our grandparents, like I know for me, I am one of 23 or 24 grandchildren of my grandmother. And we can, she's uncomfortable even talking to me about my business. She's uncomfortable highlighting my business. She's uncomfortable even speaking about my business. I'm like, so ma'am, you had six kids who all then went out and had six kids. Why, why is this something that we're so uncomfortable with speaking about yet? Everybody is doing it. Mm-hmm. Why? Everyone. I mean, and we, we know, we know some of the reasons why it has to do with patriarchy and access to care and things like that. We know those things, but at the same time as a society, especially being where we are now, these are conversations that we need to normalize rather than hide. These are not things to be shameful of. Being a sexual being is who you are. You, you're you designed for this. Like Usher said, that's what it's made for. <laughs> like, there are... Dope song. <laughs> your body is designed... Exactly. <laughs> your body is designed to do these things. So we could probably have better sexual conversations for sure, but better sexual relationships in this country if we could just start speaking about things. And letting people know this is kind of normalized behavior. This is not. You have some people who are in situations that they don't even know may not be good for them. They don't have a name for it, but that's all they've been exposed to. And that's where sexual education comes in. Letting, you know, I'm not going to yuck your yum unless you're hurting someone or like severely hurting yourself. But there are some people who are like, I don't, I don't understand why I like this. I don't understand why I'm built like this or why this is a stimulant for me or why this gets me off and they feel weird and they don't talk about anything and they have they don't you know prioritize their pleasure and that's disturbing and then you have other people who are like well this experience happened to me and I don't know how to process it I don't know what's right I don't know what's wrong mm-hmm. um and it just becomes a difficult situation when everybody wants to do it but yet nobody wants to talk about it 
exactly. And, you know, looking at the spectrum of it, like you talk about how, you know, people like, they don't know what they like, or they don't know what to experience. You know, there's, again, there's so many levels to it. And it's like, we're all doing it. So why aren't we talking about it so that we know what we like, what we don't like, what's okay, what's not okay, what's normal, what's not right. normal. Um, it's like, it's like you, they expect us to magically understand and know how things go, but it's like, but you don't talk about it. You take it out of the schools. Parents are not comfortable talking about it with their kids mm-hmm. and they don't know how, and you can't really shame parents for not knowing how to have those conversations. But at the same time, who's really at fault here that we're not having these conversations? Like, you know, my mom was an awesome mom, but I don't remember us really having like the sex talk. Now, granted, I was afraid of sex for a lot of reasons um, as a teenager, but you know, what I remember is us watching like um, those lifetime shows, like too young to uh, too young to be a dad or too young to be a mom, oh, wow. things like that. And then on commercial breaks, my mom would like try to have conversations, and me and my brother kind of like we don't want to do this. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? But, you know, I, I, that was my mom's attempt of trying to have, you know, that sex talk, but you know, who's really at fault when we don't have the tools or the resources to really have those conversations so that when we begin, when we get older, we become adults and it's more in our lives and we're have the more freedom to have sex that we know what we're doing, what we like, what we don't like, what's okay. And what's not okay. Exactly. And, you know, another big factor about that, which a lot of people don't like to highlight because it's very, very touchy. Um, So I'll preface this by saying, you know, whatever your belief system is, is your belief system. But we know that religion plays a part in that as well. Mm -hmm. And that there are a lot of times where religion will dictate how parents interact and talk to their children concerning sex and sexuality. Um, and, you know, we know that religion can be very overarching in people's lives. And that's beautiful, you know, for people. But that can also stifle conversations that also need to be had. Like, for example, I grew up Catholic. And so there's a big portion of Catholicism where they don't believe in birth control. However, I'm a young girl who naturally has sexual needs and urges And how am I supposed to protect myself, but also, too, at the same time, you know, that or, you know, concede with my faith as well at the time. And my mom was never, she was always like, you know, when you get of age, you can go and explore anything you want. So I was led to Catholicism on my own, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was like, you know, you can go and do whatever it is that you want. But that was a conversation that I had to also have with myself, too. Like, well, how does my faith system lead into what I'm being taught? And that happens a lot, especially when you do have kids that go to Catholic schools. You know, sex education is almost almost non-existent. There are some schools that teach pretty much abstinence only. Um, Ohio is pretty much an abstinence only state as far as sex education is concerned. There's a big push here to really teach comprehensive sex education because we realize that speaking to abstinence only just doesn't work or, you know, you have to kind of paint the whole picture here or speaking where it's focused solely on procreation and pregnancy. That doesn't work as well either. So 
you have to, I, I admire your mom's attempt, but there also, too, I'm pretty sure a lot that you were left to learn on your own. Um, nobody likes an uncomfortable situation. So I know if, like, we were watching, like, 16 and Pregnant, and my mom, like, paused it at the commercial and was like, so let's talk about this. And I was like, lady, <laughs> no, ew, go away. Mm-hmm. I would have the same reaction, but I would still have those questions. So we have to learn how to create the language between people to where we all feel comfortable. I mean, sexuality is, I mean, it's been here since the beginning of time, but it's something mm-hmm. that is still so taboo. And there are still so many mysteries behind it because we have the variable of human behavior. So if we can figure out a way to normalize and give the language that is needed for these conversations, maybe we can progress as a society. Yeah, I wonder, so do you think that if we normalize it and we have, like say in a perfect world, we're normalizing it, we have the right sex education, do you think that how society, like when it comes to like liberation and not looking at sex as just Mm -hmm. procreation, do you think that that's the way to go to feel more liberated because I mean that times now you know in the way of with OnlyFans and sex work becoming mm-hmm. more in mainstream and with songs like WAP you know it seems like we're being progressive but then you see the backlash and it doesn't feel like it's right. being progressive so like do you think that in a perfect world with that that is how we get to a more liberated society or do you think there's other aspects that need to play a part in that? I think there are other aspects that also need to play a part too, because we have to realize that we live in a hugely patriarchal society. Um, We live in a society where we have become, I will say, more free in our thoughts and our opinions. And we're making strides, but we're not fully there yet. You got to think we have millennia to undo here. I think that starting normalizing the conversations is a start um but i think that society as a whole has to evolve and not just not just evolve around the discussions of sex but evolve in other aspects too because one of the biggest things um when it comes to discussing sex is also too women having autonomy and agency over their own bodies and the rights to make their own choices and if we don't see people as equals, if we don't see women as equals, as the valuables, then that's also going to steer the conversation away too. Because what we're, what we're taught now is very male-centered and not very pleasure-driven. That's why you have this whole influx of sex educators that have come out within the past few years that are very pleasure-driven because they're trying to take away that stigma of patriarchy and what has been taught to us before. Um, I just think that society has a long way to go. And we can do small things like normalizing, like saying penis, saying vagina, recognizing that um, trans people are their, their, the sex that they are, the sex that they feel, not necessarily the gender identity that they present. Um, we can start by normalizing and by providing safety around those conversations. But as a whole, society has to evolve. And in order... I don't think anybody really wants to hear my radical take about society, but <laughs> in order to really 
evolve society, we have to really come to terms with we've had some really outdated ideals that we have to get rid of. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, looking at it on the quote unquote political side when it shouldn't be political, it it frustrates me that we're still having these conversations about abortions and um birth control. Cause it's like my thing is why can't people just mind their business? It has nothing. You're you're a man. How are you making um, laws for women? Exactly about my body. About my body. Like you can do what you want to do with your body, but don't tell me what to do with mine. And it, it's it's you know it's interesting that that plays a part into sex education as a whole of society and what 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 it plays. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's very frustrating because you know I have my thoughts about abortion but i don't care what the next girl do i don't care what my cousin do i don't care what my friend do whatever works for them works for them but i'm not going to tell someone like you know it's not a safe procedure or it's whatever because that's what my belief is that's my belief and that's what i can do for myself but not for other people and it it just bothers me. And it's always the older white men, like <laughs> older white men are making decisions. And like, you're mis, you're, you're not educated. You you don't even know what you're talking about. And this you're is the not, law that you then at place. The, and at the same time, you're not going to help me care for this child as well. You're not going to come here when I'm tired and I'm, you know, I'm depressed and I'm going through mental instability or I'm going through physical instability because bringing this child here into the world, you know, really affected me physically. And that's, that's something that I often talk to people about. Um, as someone who has had to choose the abortion route to save my life, it literally came down to, you have this condition. Um, we don't necessarily do elective or do surgery to cover surgeries. This is a conversation that you're going to have to do um, on your own, there's a chance that you can make it out of this pregnancy, and there's a chance that, there, that you couldn't. It's really a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. And I have two other children I already have here in this world. And it's like, so what do you want me, do you really want me to play with my life like that? Um, and I had to come, and that's a decision I had to come to on my own. And I, I made the decision that I thought was best for me in the moment. But I remember people outside protesting. And literally protesting and yelling some of the most vile things. And you don't realize that not everybody who is going to those clinics are going solely because they just don't want to have a baby. Because they solely just messed up, got pregnant, they don't want to have a baby. Sometimes there are women in there who are like, I need to actually not have this child to save my life. But the hospital systems don't want to touch those type of issues. They want you to make the decision on your own. Mm -hmm. They want you to figure it out on your own unless it's an immediate threat to your life right then and there. So it's, it really angers me when we still have those conversations about what I can do with my body. It's like you, sir, white man from Kentucky, you're allowed to go out here and do everything it is that you want to freaking do. Why are you policing what I want to do with my, I'm not hurting you. So either I have this baby and I'm upset, depressed, or even like in cases of rape, because I believe there's a little girl here from Ohio. I was, if I'm correct, she's either 10 or 12. 
um, and she was raped. And she has to have, she's being forced basically to have her rapist baby, but she's also 10 years old. She's very young. Her body isn't even fully developed. There's a chance that she could possibly, you know, have some real serious health issues if she doesn't pass during labor. Mm -hmm. And those are things that they don't think about because it's all about control. Mm -hmm. The whole system is about control and keeping women and minorities in a box, kind of keeping them, keeping us in our place. So they can continue to control things. But you want me to not abort this baby. You say that this is wrong. But then when I have this baby and I need help, you ridicule me. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. And that plays a part, again, to sex education. But that's not what people look at. They look at sex education Mm -hmm. literally just talking about sex and pregnancy. But only pregnancy to not do it. That's it. And that's just not what it is. And it's... It's crazy because it's like, if you allow this to happen, to have sex education, you wouldn't have these thoughts. You wouldn't be so ignorant if we had it. So just let us have it so that we can continue to progress and we can educate everyone because we're all ignorant, you know, not even people that are somewhat liberated and know things. We're still a little bit ignorant. Mm -hmm. There's so much we don't know. Like, just like you said, with a lot of sex educators are coming out and talking about um, pleasure because we hear that a lot with women not really knowing because a lot of times, you know, especially back in the day, who gives a fuck about pleasure for women? You know, that's that's how they thought. You know, it was just, you having my baby, I get my rocks off and that's it. There's no pleasure for you. It's even songs from when we grew up in the 90s and stuff like that where I'm going to get mine, she better get hers. And I had a conversation a couple years ago with a woman who was at the time in her mid-50s. And she was like, I don't even know if I've ever experienced an orgasm. She had four kids, had been married for, I think, like 15, almost 20 years. And she was like, I don't know if I've ever experienced an orgasm. I don't know what that feels like. She had never even looked at her own vagina. Wow. And so, yeah, because she was like, I was always taught that when I have, when I get married and I have a husband, that I'm expected to have sex with him. I'm expected that anytime he ever wants it, anytime he ever needs it, I'm supposed to be there. Also, too, with women, and this is something I found out from my own personal experience. You have a baby, they tell you to push and everything like that, and they tell you afterwards, oh, you might pee a little bit when you laugh, so just get used to it. They don't tell you that, you know, pregnancy can actually weaken your pelvic floor because of all that pressure on that muscle group. And your pelvic floor is something that's really, really important to your body. It's important to your posture, it's important to keeping your organs in place, everything. Your pelvic floor is very, very important. But there are so many women who were like, for so long, I've had a prolapse. Um, I had internal tearing. Um, I can't, I have incontinence now. But never had, had no clue about pelvic floor physical therapy or what it's like to actually, you know, um, work and strengthen your pelvic floor muscles with a dilator, how to properly do Kegels, because nine times out of 10, a lot of us don't do it right. Um, how to actually work on your body to strengthen your pelvic floor. A lot of people don't know that 
you know, your pelvic floor muscles also help support your hips, which also helps support your abs and everything like that. Everything is so interconnected, but nobody wants to talk about that. Wow. And so it's really important, even those parts of sex education are important too. They're not necessarily, you know, directly the act of sexual intercourse, but they're byproducts of that. When you have a baby, you know, that's embarrassing when you laugh and then you feel like, oh, I, I done peed on myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there are women who literally have gone years, decades, who were like, I had no idea that I could have went to someone and, you know, had this, had went through this therapy or I had a prolapse where my pelvic floor had fallen, basically, and I never knew that I could do anything. It's so important that we know those things. Absolutely. I mean, you're telling me things I've never heard. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's so true. Um, Wow. I'm stumped because (laughs) I've never heard of some of the things, you know, you just explained, but uh, going back to, you know, the woman that had the four kids, it's, it sometimes it's kind of sad because it's like how many of our family members and our ancestors were in pain mm-hmm. because they were doing things that they thought was meant for them. And it's sad to even think that you think that pain was meant for you because of how this yeah. deal was set when it comes to sex. And so I know a lot of people are against like liberated women, but I don't see a problem with it because a lot, we've spent so many years, so much time of being uncomfortable, not knowing and just laying there and accepting what we thought was our fate. And it wasn't. So I'm always for it. I mean, as long as you're being safe and, you know, taking care of yourself, which, you know, we have some that are liberated and are not. And again, that goes Mm -hmm. back to that sex education, but as long as you're, you know, safe, be liberated because we spent too much time being uncomfortable um, as women and just taking pain while men are just doing whatever they want and getting what they want off of it. True. And I agree with all of that. And especially too, a lot of people don't know and don't realize that modern gynecology was built on the backs of, uh, on the backs and on the pain of black women. Um, the person they say to thank for modern sexuality is J. Marion Sims who is a terrible excuse of a shit stain of a human being. Um, But honestly, you know, there are three women who we can um, look at. And one of the, one of the women who had, um, one of the women who had the most experiments done on her was a woman named Lucy. And she, what he would do is back in the 1800s, he would take slaves, he would take black women slaves and perform surgeries and different procedures on them without Mm. the use of anesthesia Mm. to see if it will work and he could take this back and do this on white women so there is a huge part of medicine that has also really ignored black women because they were told that our we we have a higher pain tolerance and we could be medicine searching or we're complainers and everything like that and these are just false narratives that were built to excuse real human cruelty. But that's why we also don't get centered in the conversation as well, even though the research that has been given was off of our backs, Mm -hmm. literally off of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so it always pains me 
when I hear black women say certain things like or hearing that hearing that lady at the time hearing her story I was so grateful to hear it but at the same time she's like nobody ever taught me that I could derive pleasure from this nobody ever taught me that nobody ever told me that it was okay for me to get pleasure Mm. and that put a lot in perspective for me because it was like wow I've I have fortunately not had that experience, but I do remember older women in my life saying, you know, hey, if you won't do it, then somebody else will. And all those things could be true, but why do I have to compromise myself for the benefit of someone else? We have agency over our bodies. We're allowed to say what happens to our body, what doesn't happen to our body what we will take, what we won't take, what's acceptable for us, what's not acceptable for us. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be put at the forefront before anything, before anybody else's pleasure, my pleasure matters the most. Absolutely. And that actually goes into um, another thought that just came up when we're looking at knowing what's right and what's not right and what's pleasurable and not pleasurable goes into rape culture. You know, there's a lot yes. of times that argument of, well, she she was aroused. So, I mean, how could she not want it? Or how could she not like it? She was aroused. And again, it goes back to that sex education. And it's like, those are not always exclusive when this is happening. It's you know, right. it's it's physiological. So it it's it's and it also puts that um guilt on the women. Cause if you're not educated. You might sit back and be like, okay, well, I was aroused, so maybe maybe I did ask for it, or or maybe it wasn't rape. Now you're questioning yourself because you're not educated on how your body functions because it wasn't talked about. You didn't look at it. You never touched it. You don't know what it's supposed to do, except you know it does two functions, and that's it, and it's... Mm-hmm. It pains me. And then on the other flip side about rape culture, we look at it from the education of men and not knowing consent. Well, in my opinion, I feel like they understand consent. They just choose not to. But it, again, a lot it of goes time, back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, if, it, if it came to their boundaries being crossed, they know what consent is. You know, it doesn't hard. It's not hard to put two and two together. But it goes back to education again because if they think oh, she looks around, she looks she was aroused, and they think that it's okay and it's not. And what's what's really funny too, um, I even have these conversations with my partner now. She's a very good guy, but he's like, we're not taught as men to see certain things as not giving consent, or you know, we're not taught that, and that's a divide too. Because not only is there a need for sexual education for women, but there also needs to be some sexual intelligence on men's part as well, which is not given because they're always told from the beginning, you're supposed to have sex. You're a man. This is what's supposed to happen. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what's supposed to happen on her end. And a lot of that is very toxic and abusive behavior. But that's Mm -hmm. been what's normalized. That's been what's processed. That's why you're seeing now more women who are like, you know what, wait a minute. I wasn't cool with that, and but I felt like I had to because I felt like that was the only way to get out of the situation. And that's sad, and that, that shows that the system is broken. Absolutely. But people don't want to address that, and that's the problem. But I have conversations with um, 
literally, I had a conversation with one of my husband's guy friends like a couple months ago. He called me and he said, okay, I need to ask you a question because I'm really, really unsure here. And he's a very good guy, very respectful. You know, I, I think my husband has been blessed where they have, they're just guys who really have their heads on straight. But even for them, they have admitted that sometimes it's confusing because they don't know. So they're like, I do ask. I will stop this whole situation and say, okay, I want to do X, Y, Z. Are you okay with that? And they will make sure to get consent. But he was in a situation where a girl got very frustrated with him because he wouldn't proceed. And he was like, I don't know what to do here. He was like, was I wrong? Because she was mad at me. And I'm like, you weren't wrong. It's just that sometimes the lines, the lines can be very blurred. Even if you're in a relationship with someone or if you're not in a relationship with someone, I understand how things can be confusing. I understand how you can also just downright do some shit you're not supposed to do. But I also can understand too how it's like, okay, is it okay if I touch you here? And I don't necessarily want to say those words, so how can I ask that? Or how can I show if that's okay? Or how can I you know, what What can I do? How can I do these things? Mm-hmm. And it's just about having those conversations that should have been normalized from the beginning. Where oh, someone should have said, you know, you can't just shove your hand up underneath her shirt without asking her. There are ways in which you can ask. There are sexy ways in which you can ask. And that's the part that I see most guys get hung up on. Well, I don't want to have to ask every time I want to touch someplace or do something or whatever. You can ask her, show me where it's okay to touch you. Use my hand and show me where it's okay. Right. How would you like to be pleased? Because that's a, that's a conversation, too, that you can have with someone. How would you like for me to please you? There also can be consent built around and into that same conversation. Yeah, questions don't gotta be boring. (laughs) It it doesn't, and consent doesn't have to be so rigid and strict. There are fun ways to have fun with figuring out what your partner will consent to and will not. Mm -hmm. It's just we have to normal to not a no. I'm sorry, I have a puppy. It's okay. It is okay. She, I think she decided to join the conversation because she literally just jumped up on my bed and she's like, "Hey, uh, I want to talk about consent too." Um, But she, I think that these are just normalized conversations, and once we can stop fighting about human decency, we can really begin to build. Yeah. Ooh, man. We have so much, you know, it's funny because one of my questions was, and I kind of asked it earlier, was about, you know, where we are with progression. And the more that we're having this conversation, although I know these things, but the more we're having this conversation, we have not progressed. We have so much to unpack and it just, I'm hopeful that we can unpack a lot like in my lifetime, because there's so much we have to get over and get these thought processes out of our, our minds and thinking that it's normal or it's okay because it's not, right. it's not. And that's why we're so messed up as a society. Cause you know, we could literally be talking forever just because that's how messed up our society is when it comes to sex and all the sectors of um, what plays into sex and sex education. So um do you have any final thoughts about what we've discussed before we move on? 
I think that as far as the conversation of progression goes, there are a couple major things that, of course, have to happen. But one of the biggest things about progression, as far as our society goes and sex education, the one thing that has to happen in order for us to progress is that we have to allow women to have agency over their own bodies. I know that's a big conversation. That's a word that comes up a lot of times, but I want people to really understand in order for us to progress, not only in sex education, but just progress as a society, we really have to equalize the sexes. And until that conversation and that action is ready to happen, we're going to be stuck in the same way. We're going we're gonna to live here and it's going to be very uncomfortable and we're going to keep going through a lot of the same things that we're going through because in order for people, in order for sexuality to truly be liberated, we have to liberate women. We have to let women know that it's okay. And it's okay to, to, be, to speak out loud about it because you will have some women who are sexually liberated but sometimes they don't always share that because they're afraid of ridicule or they're afraid of what may happen if they do speak up or if they do say something. And we have to really curb that fear. We have to let people have agency over themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for those final thoughts. So now we're just going to kind of wrap up like with you know, more information about your brand. So you talked about your brand and how you got here. Um, what would you like your customers, like if you could kind of paint a picture of like what the experience you want your customers to have shopping with you? So for me, it's really important that people feel welcome, that people feel like this is a place where you can ask a question. Because I know what it feels like to walk into a store, to see a product or have an idea of a product that I want to then get to said store and I'm looking there and the person is like either trying to just sell me or they're completely not listening to what I'm saying that I want and they're just trying to sell me something. So I have a ton of products. I, I really want people to know that I am a home for everybody and I make sure to really emphasize that everybody. So that means if you're cisgender, if you're trans, non-binary, I want you to know that this is a home for you. You can feel safe here. I am inclusive and I will always be inclusive. Um, that's never going to change. I'm never going to make someone feel that they don't belong with me or that mm-hmm. holistic is not a home for them. Um, and I'm more than just a store as well. I do do education. I've had to kind of um, chill out a little bit because I had COVID at the beginning of this year. So March was literally New Year's for me. <laughs> so um, I am kind of working myself back into it, but I try to highlight different brands every month. Um, every week I do a new product or a product that is very, very popular, that sells very well just to give people more exposure to it. Um, but then I also like to do fun stuff like there, there are shows that come on. There was a show that li- that recently aired last month on HBO Max, and it was called It's a Sin, and um, it was about the rise of the HIV and AIDS epidemic in the 80s in London, which is something that we here in the States don't always get a chance to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do things like that. I'm starting a book club where we'll read different things by Black women and um, LGBTQ 
authors and things about relationships or pleasure and sex. Um, so it's not just solely focused on sex. I like to have fun with it. I'm a huge horror movie fan as well. So every October, I do my own horror movie challenge. And then I also include sex education in that too, because horror and sex kind of go right hand in hand together sometimes. So I want people to know that this is not just me telling you, hey, come buy a dildo or a butt plug, but it's, hey, come buy a dildo, come buy a butt plug, but also learn something, ask questions, join the community that I'm trying to build as well, because I want to be a home for everybody, for all those people who never felt understood or never felt included or always felt like they were the outcast or you know I've had a lot of trans women who have hit me up recently and say you know hey thank you really for being inclusive I, I don't feel like I've had that anywhere else I want people to know that that's what I'm here for that's the community that I want to build absolutely that sounds so beautiful and you've already kind of talked about where you want to go but if you do you have any bigger dreams for your brand uh, or for your business you already talked about building a community but what are your other goals that you have for holistic so for i hope to actually turn holistic into not necessarily a lifestyle brand but i really want to be a sex therapist um <laughs> I finally figured that out after wasting so much money in school. Like, hey, I want to be a sex therapist, but I want to be able to leave this. This is also a legacy that I hope to leave my children one day um, and have them just grow holistic organically through people and through culture and let people know that holistic is here for you. So what I eventually I would love to have a store an actual brick and mortar. And I would like to use that to not only, you know, sell toys and items and stuff like that, but to also give a a space for people who maybe there are, you know, um, young black girls who are like, I don't, I need, I need to talk to somebody. I know that I can't go to my mother because my mother, you know, would shame me or she may not understand but there are things that I'm going through and I need to talk to somebody. And I will. I want to be that resource. So I hope to make Holistic not only a community resource, but kind of a global resource. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I see for my baby here. I love it. Much success. I, I'm putting all the good vibes out there because it's definitely needed. Um, we need it for our community. Um, so I'm excited to see your brand grow. Um, is there anything in the immediate future that's coming up that you want to share with the listeners? So for April, um, my book club will be starting. It's called Lit for Lovers, which is a play on literature, but also to like popular stuff. So um, that'll be coming out and the sequel to The Coldest Winter Ever just came out so that'll be the first book um but also to april we know april has 420 in it and as someone who is a whole cannabis connoisseur myself um i'm really going to talk about the relationship between sex and weed um sex and psychedelics and how you know more research is showing that um wheat marijuana or cannabis and also things psychedelics like shroom can actually help not only improve your mood but also improve like certain sexual disorders and things like that 
Um, so we're going to discuss that for the month of April. And I'm going to be raffling some products off too. So stay tuned. And then also too, just want to let everybody know, everything that I do on my store, everything that I sell um, is body safe and or organic. Um, I don't sell products that are made of artificial materials or at least materials um, that are are artificial and that are not safe for you. So I don't sell jelly toys because research has proven that you can never really get jelly toys clean um, and they hold a lot of bacteria. So I don't sell jelly toys. Anything I sell is medical grade or body safe silicone, glass, and, you know, anything there is body safe. Um, I really specialize in water-based lubricant because that's, I think that's really important. Um, and then also, too, as someone who has endometriosis, I also want to be um, a resource for women in my community, too, because a lot of times when it comes down to certain um, pelvic disorders, such as um, endometriosis or pelvic inflammatory disease or things like that, there are a lot of materials that you can't use, and there are a lot of women who just say that they can't use adult toys or adult products because it's going to irritate them when in reality there's been a, re a lot of research that has shown that you can't you just have to know what to pick so um that's just a little bit about us we do fun stuff in the summer I'll probably try to do when we get a little bit you know more in the clear with being able to kind of like gather a little bit I'll probably do something here in the city that's socially distanced but that's also centered around sex because I miss having in-person interaction. So mm -hmm. I would just say, you know, everybody just pay attention to our, our IG, which is at Holistic Shop, and our Twitter, which is at Holistic Shop there too. Um, and our website, pay attention because I'm going to start rolling out some pretty cool things in the next couple months. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. I, I, we had a beautiful dialogue. I learned some new things. I love this. <laughs> I'm so glad I learned some things because I, I I was just like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm glad I learned some new things that I can, you know, share with other people. And I hope that the listeners have learned some things. You got the social, so you know how to connect. So stay tuned for what Holistic Shop has for you guys for April. Um, any last, last thoughts before we really actually wrap up and head out? You know, I, I thank you so much for having me. Um, I know a lot of times a lot of brands are really afraid to touch on sexual things because they don't know how their audience will receive it. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, thank you to everybody who's listening. I really appreciate it. Definitely feel free to reach out. I am really trying to build a tribe. Um, so even if it's not about a product, but if you have a question or you have an idea, um, utilize me as a resource. You know, Absolutely. I haven't studied all of this just to not use it. So I, I try not to interject myself. A lot of times I try to let people organically come to me. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have any questions or anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. Let's talk. Let's chat. And thank you for having me. This was fun. I, I mean, even with your knowledge base, you know a lot. You've done your homework. I'm really impressed. <laughs> thank you. So you get a gold star for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs>
Well, thank you. I really appreciate you um, for being here. Um, just as usual, um, everyone, you know how we wrap up the show. You check in with yourself, ask yourself, what do you need? And what can you change this week to make your week better? I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, there will be some information in the description box so that if you forget, you'll have the socials, the links, and how to connect with Holistic Shop. Um, thank you again. Um, and then as always, beautiful people, stay prayed up, stay inspired, and most importantly, in all ways, take care of yourself. Bye. Bye.